Welcome to TW Now. I'm Scott Wanell. The last several years have seen a shift on the world's political stage. Patient, thoughtful, careful, old guard leaders who have been in favor of maintaining the world order and the status quo are being replaced by highly ambitious, adversarial, highly confident strongmen. The media would place some of the following leaders into that category. Kim Jong-il of North Korea, Vladimir Putin of Russia, Bashar al-Assad of Syria, Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela, Viktor Orban of Hungary, Xi Jinping of China, and there are others that you've heard of. A Time Magazine article from last year noted that the strongman era is here, and you can see that up on your screen right now. Many of these leaders are viewed as unpredictable, perhaps reckless in their approach, and not satisfied to leave well enough alone. Many people literally fear that leaders like these and the ones who will follow may thoughtlessly plunge the world into not just a trade war or a new cold war, but a real hot war, possibly even World War III. All this in an era where technical weaponry now exists to annihilate an unprecedented scale of people in an instantaneous way. Why do we see the rise of strongman leaders today? And where will they take our world? Does the Bible give us any insights? To provide us with some helpful insights and even answers, we have two returning guests with us today. Mr. Rod McNair is with us once again. Mr. McNair is a minister. He is a telecast presenter and magazine writer for Tomorrow's World. And he has presented and written on global politics and Bible prophecy for years. Mr. Steve Elliott is joining us again from Phoenix, Arizona. Mr. Elliott is a longtime minister and teacher of Bible prophecy. He's also traveled extensively in the world. Gentlemen, welcome back to both of you. It's great to have you on the program today. And thank you again for taking time with us. Thank you. <clears throat> if you have questions as we carry out our discussion today, we encourage you please message us and we'll do our best to address some of your questions. Also, as you feel motivated, please be sure to subscribe to, like, or share the program today. Well, gentlemen, let's get started. And Mr. Elliott, let me pose the first question to you, sir. When we look around the world today, what are characteristics that define strongman leaders today? The world is a troubled place, and we seem to be more so recently. And when we have troubles, uh, people in most countries or many countries look for someone to solve those. And so it seems to me that the leadership that we have today have come either voted or not, but many of them voted in to solve very specific issues of finance, of, of crime, of other things. And those men have come to power with the promise that they can fix problems. Okay. Mr. Uh, <clears throat> absolutely. As Mr. Elliott uh, said, there are lots of issues that nations are dealing with. I think the other part of that is that the strong men typically do not see themselves as being tied to conventional forms or conventional restraints or institutions. In many cases, they are able to cut through the, the red tape, so to speak, and get things done because they're not constrained. <clears throat> so it, it makes me think, these are non-constrained individuals, they're problem fixers. Haven't the other predecessors to them come into those same offices promising to fix problems? It seems in this country, at least in recent years, 
we've had a group of leaders wanting to get along with, to make friends and allies with much of the world. Not always the case, of course, because we've been at wars in the Middle East and other places for more than a generation. But more of a cooperative nature looking maybe for um, a world order that we've been hearing about. But it seems that the strong men that are coming on today are more nationalistic, more concerned about their own nations rather than helping, taking care of, and, or even cooperating with other nations. Mm. This brings me to a, did you have a comment? Yeah, I think also that uh, when we talk about them not being tied to conventional forms and being able to get things done, one of the one of the things that is uh, certainly an issue for, in a lot of people's minds is, is debt load and a lot of uh, angst about it and uh, lack of political will in many cases. Again, as I think you've noted, we're not, we're not going to be getting into political parties here and supporting one or the other. But uh, certainly one reason why they rise is because the, the typical uh, person is is not happy with politicians who've not been able to make decisions, not had the political courage to make unpopular decisions, and uh, you know, so you see all kinds of economic problems mm -hmm. as well as some of the ones that Mr. Elliot was mentioning. Well, sort of on the on the same lines. Why do you think individuals, the voter? per se. And, and what's interesting is many of these leaders are strongman leaders coming to power in what the world would classify as democracies, where the vote does count. Why would the average voter want to bring in a person like this who, who comes in, um, in some cases, a little bit recklessly, perhaps, or um, to use a cliche, sort of half-cocked, ready to go at it, unpredictable. Why would the average voter, Mr. Elliott, want to put someone like that in power. Again, when uh, we as individuals can't solve our own problems, we look for somebody else to call. In this country, if we're having problems in the local community, the local neighborhood, and we can't fix them, we usually call for a police officer. We call maybe for our elected officials to come in and solve our problems. And in history, when things get so bad that people just can't do it, they've often resorted to an extreme leader who has promised to take and uh, take charge and control and solve problems and in so doing they've been willing to give up personal freedoms in order to have what they think will be safety mm -hmm. you know it's interesting that uh, uh, we were talking about it before the the program today that one of the leaders that is in the the list is uh, Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines and some years ago, so he's the, the president today of the Philippines, and he very much embodies some, what we're talking about. And some years ago, he was the mayor of Davao City in the south, and in Mindanao, which is a hotbed of, of uh, uh, insurgency and violence, and yet he was able to bring order and peace to that major city, and yet there was a sacrifice because the citizens knew that if you are a criminal, there's not always the due process of law. You may just disappear. And yet they were willing to put up with it. Why? Because he made 
the place safer. And so that, that's a living example of how this, this trade-off and people, when it gets so bad, they are willing to give up freedoms as, as Mr. Elliott mentioned. So a little bit of desperate times call for desperate measures and we may not like it, but it's better than the alternative. Absolutely. <clears throat> hey, see, you know, leading up to the Second World War, that's exactly what happened in Germany. Germany was in such terrible financial, and not just financial, but but criminal problems that they turned their their leadership over to Hitler, who promised to give them peace. And the interesting thing was this happened very, very quickly. And within six months, he had turned everything over to where his word was the only law in the country. Within the first six months, he'd thrown out the power of the of the military, of the judiciary, and his word now became law. So when people do give their authority to someone, they're not sure what they're going to get or how quickly it can turn. I appreciate you bringing that up, and if, if either of you have any more insights, I'd, I'd welcome them. Uh, it, it was just making me think as you were talking, many of us sit here today in the world today with our viewpoint today. And we look around the world and we see the rise of strongman leaders around the world and it's easy to draw the conclusion that this is unique to our time in history. And you're bringing up uh, the situation with Hitler uh, reminds us to step back at least a little bit and recognize, well, maybe this isn't the first time in history this has ever happened before. I'm just wondering if you had any other thoughts on that. I, <clears throat> I think uh, absolutely. Uh, as he mentioned, going back to the 30s, uh, we can go back even further. And, and frankly, I think w with um, viewers of, of this program uh, who are familiar with uh, an understanding of, of who end-time Israel is, the English-speaking countries and in northwestern Europe, uh, when we understand that there, there was a prophecy of them rising to power uh, over the last several hundred years in particular, uh, this has been a, a unique time in history as opposed to other times when, frankly, the despots and the tyrants has been more a way of life. If you look at history, if we look at the Bible, we see uh, even the, the four uh, beasts of Daniel, uh, Daniel 2 or the four segments of the image of Daniel 2. It's talking about world-ruling empires that were, were aggressive or predatory. Mm -hmm. So maybe the tables turned in the, the last few hundred years. We've enjoyed unprecedented freedom, and we're losing it because of our, our downfall, our, our, our sins in this country. Mm -hmm. I think we've also enjoyed unprecedented peace. The peace in the United States and the Western nations where I've gotten to travel is amazing. It has never been like this before in history. And it's only been this way because the population agreed to make it this way. But when times get bad and it goes to what it has been throughout 6,000 years of recorded history, that's going to open the door and welcome new strongman leaders to come in and have their way or to promise to protect and to return that peace. We lived in a very very unusual time in all of history. The rest of the world has never been like this. You know, it's interesting, as uh, just jumping off of that, uh, how many people are looking for a moving away from 
uh, in our country, moving away from an understanding of God and an understanding that the Bible has some, uh, you know, authority in their life, and how uh, I, how they they are they're yearning for something where God is not in the picture, and how dark, when we really understand it, how dark that place is going to be, and how many people may look back when it's too late and realize, wow, the Bible, you know, an understanding of God uh, the, of the Bible mm -hmm. actually was what was the bulwark to these dark forces uh, keeping them away. And when we throw it out, we, we, we do it at our own peril. Mm. Interesting. Let me ask you another question that relates to this, and it sort of pushes us forward, not only in the program, but in, in history just a little bit. What does strongman leadership portend for the future? And particularly, are you aware of thoughts that uh, politicians maybe are talking about, or journalists? What is, what is society telling us? What are some of the fears of strongman leadership that society is seeing? Right now, I'm hearing an awful lot of desire for more individuality, um, sharing the wealth. We've got leaders in this country, at least, that are, are contrasting the average person with the one-tenth of one percent that we hear about, that none of us know, but that we hear that must be apparently super wealthy, and why can't they share? Uh, that seems to be setting up something in the future that's going to hurt. Um, when things get bad, there's going to have to be someone come in to straighten things out. And what we see around the world, the EU for instance, there's a lot of trouble in the EU and it's not just England, it's not just Brexit, it also includes Italy and Greece and other countries that aren't happy, that are not thriving, a monetary system that many people think has failed, huge debt and a lot of fear. And that's going to set up the next stage of this strongman leadership that even the Bible talks about. It seems like where it's really leading is the end of democracy as we, as we know it. Uh, the end of a, a sense of, 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 uh, of, of people having a say and having a, a representative form of government uh, because many people are, going to, are coming to the conclusion in, in this sense as this, tr this trend develops that is, it can't be depended on. Uh, it's not credible. That's one of the, one of the articles that uh, we were that you you uh, were t talking about before the program. It talks about the strong men have credibility. They they seem to be a credible source of of uh, of being a savior, and democracy is losing its ability to to uh, have that sense of it's going to help us into the future. And and it seems like it's that's it's going to die itself in that way. The thing that concerns me about this is there are so many different ideas right now. There aren't just one or two parties or one or two ideas. There are a multitude. I've gotten to travel a number of times in Africa, and I enjoyed it. I learned an awful lot from it. One time we were in Kenya, and just after we left, they had an election and people on both sides of that election were killing each other with machetes. In towns where I had been, places that had been beautiful, that I really enjoyed, people that I got to talk to and were very pleasant, and then suddenly a month later they were killing each other over political issues. I worry 
about the future short term. I worry that all these factions, even in our own country, will take up arms and start fighting and killing each other, as we've seen in history, over different ideas. And that leads right into the need for someone to take order out of the chaos. So that's a great point. And let me read you a couple of quick questions that have been sent in, because I think they tie in, and maybe you both can address them. First question is, is not the world looking for a great leader to bring peace? And the second one that sort of goes along with it, I think, is can an authoritarian leader be beneficial to the world? What do you think? Well, we are ministers, all three of us, and we come from the background of the Bible and our beliefs. And the Bible says that's exactly what the world needs and always has. God has a system of laws that he designed and then built us within that really do involve and control us. If we follow those guidelines and laws that produce happiness and peace, we have a great life. And if we go against them, things don't work. And that's what we see right now because most of the world is breaking all of that. So the Bible tells us we do need a strong man leader in the form of the Son of God to straighten things out. And undoubtedly, this, uh, you know, nobody welcomes a leader who comes in, uh, you know, looking like a horrible dictator. There always is, is a sales job, there always is propaganda, and as was mentioned before, um, how did Hitler uh, get into power? Through promising peace. Uh, that's going to be, undoubtedly, going to be part of the mix that this is the, the way to peace, and only too late are we going to find out that it's a disaster, actually. Well, let's go in that direction, you both sort of bringing it to. Let's go back to the Bible and talk a little bit about what God's Bible prophecies uh, put on paper, in some cases multiple thousands of years ago. What do they tell us about strongman leadership that is coming to the world? And, and there are specific prophecies about strongman leadership coming. Well, Daniel 11, uh, just one example, uh, which is this long, incredibly uh, uh, long uh, prophecy spanning thousands of years talks about the end time, how there's going to be a king of the north, there's going to be a king of the south. Uh, it's, it's talking about these leaders who are, who are reigning over and ruling over empires, really, and another uh, you know, king out of the north and east. And so um, this is the future. This is what's going to happen to us. Then. Daniel 11 talks about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Daniel 11 talks about a king of the north and it makes it very clear that that's north of Jerusalem. And when you put all the scriptures together, that means that this power is coming out of Europe, out of Western Europe, led by ancient Assyria that we understand and we, we identify as the Germanic peoples, Germany and Austria basically, and the king of the south then coming from south of Jerusalem, and really from the biblical scriptures, it talks about all the Arabic Muslim groups getting together in a loose confederation and ending up in war, which Jesus said in Matthew 24 would happen down through time, that there would be wars and troubles all through time getting a lot worse at the end. 
Revelation 13 then it is another way of describing that same king of the north. Mm -hmm. And again, as Daniel talked about earlier, uh, now John is looking back uh, at what had happened from the Babylonian Empire, the, the Persian Empire, and the, the Greeks, and then into the Romans. And how does God describe in Revelation 13 this incredibly powerful military uh, institution? He describes it as a beast, as a ferocious beast, as, as a dictator, as someone that is going to be a, a predatory, a ferocious animal. That, that's interesting how, how God sees systems and even the men who lead those systems mm -hmm. and describes them, doesn't pull any punches. Mm -hmm. Can you think of, as you're thinking about these prophecies, can you think of any descriptors that the scripture uses to describe this coming strong man? Uh, this this beast in Europe, or and or some of the situations that may help uh, push this individual into that role. Well, again, history shows that uh, uh, somebody who is a strongman leader fills a void, fills a gap. These things don't just happen. If everything is fine, if everybody's happy, if the whole world's peaceful, there would be no need or no support for anything like that. But as we see more and more problems, economic problems, business problems, trading problems, financial wars and everything else, and then we see different opinions, different religions, different values, ultimately uh, we're told that the king of the south does something, pushes at, doesn't say actually attacks, doesn't go to war with, but pushes at the king of the north and aggravates that king of the north, that European power that Mr. McNair was, was correctly referring to as the beast, and that power apparently to defend itself and protect Europe then goes to war, a sudden terrible war. This beast is depicted in the Bible as coming up out of the ocean, hidden, underwater, but is suddenly complete and is suddenly crushing nations. It's interesting, too, how in another place in Revelation, it talks about how ten kings give their power to the beast, that they, it's voluntary. It, there's something, there's a need, as, as he mentioned, there's a, there's a need for people to band together. Why do people band together? For common security. And why would they give up their sovereignty, which frankly, we, we don't see the end game yet in Europe, but it's, it is interesting over the last 10, 15, 20 years, mm -hmm. how many nations in Europe are giving up levels of sovereignty. And uh, that, that's exactly what, in the final culmination, what uh, is going to give this, this uh, individual so much power. And it'll be in response to a need to, to band together. Mm. Add to what Mr. McNair said, the scripture says ten kings who haven't received their kingdom. And there are ten ruling houses in Europe. There have been for a long, long time, and none of them are sitting on the throne. None of them, except Queen of England, are actually ruling. But this says ten kings who haven't been given power or are not ruling band together and support. So it's interesting to me that this is all actually there and it's in place in Europe. Mr. McNair, you mentioned <clears throat> a few minutes ago about how many of these strongman leaders, when they come to power, they don't come 
they don't come to power as a beast, sort of after people. They come with promises and things like that. Uh, part of my mind goes to Revelation chapter 18 and um, trade that's going to be happening on the world scene. And I wonder if you can expand on that a little bit and talk a little bit about how this beast power may benefit society too and not just uh, be intent on war. Absolutely. Or at least not initially. Absolutely. I mean, uh, why has Europe been uh, uh, coalescing as much as they have over the last uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? It's all economic. That's, that's how it began. And what we see in the scripture you reference, that there's going to be a, perhaps a, a, a global surge in, in, in um, uh, prosperity and that sort of thing. A lot of people getting rich a lot of uh, traders, merchants of the world getting rich because of this power in Europe. And when it falls, when it, it falls into disarray and in warfare, um, they mourn. They mourn. Why? Because the system that ha they have gotten rich through uh, has, has fallen down. So mm -hmm. absolutely, it, it's, uh, it's right there, as you mentioned. Mm. There's another factor that's mentioned in Scripture, a religious factor. There is this beast power of ten nations, or probably more than ten nations, ten kingdoms represented, more than ten countries that we might think of, but it's backed, supported by a religious power, and the Bible calls this the false prophet, and this religious power then will support and will require obedience, and will, it, the scripture says, will think to take chance think to change times, the calendar, seasons, laws, and force everybody to go along with the same thing. So this is going to be a major change. And then the scriptures that say that that's going, they're going to go down and fight with the king of the south, it looks to me like this is going to be a peacekeeping force, that there's something going on down there that this group feels that they need to stop lest it break out and cause more problems locally and for them and the rest of the world. Got another quick question we have time for uh, from our audience. When do you expect to see the ultimate strongman? <laughs> I guess I could rephrase that a little bit. What are some of the signs we need to look for uh, that would indicate a, the ultimate strongman is coming? Scripture, again, shows that the troubles, because of all of these things, and Mr. McNair mentioned another group, another very powerful group from the East, a 200 million man army that gets involved, all of those troubles will bring us right to the edge of human annihilation. But Scripture says that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, will intervene to keep us from killing off all humans at the last minute when things are so bad, and ultimately we'd have to say we've tried everything. We've tried every form of government, every kind of compromise, every kind of war, and we couldn't do it. So he's going to intervene and he's going to put a stop to that, and then he's going to introduce the only form of government that can and will work because it's based on the designs of God. You know, it's interesting that um, at the United Nations building in New York, there's the statue of the, the man 
uh, uh, pounding a sword into a plowshare, mm -hmm. and they're they're quoting um, Isaiah chapter two. And what is it referring to? It's referring to Jesus Christ, as Mr. Elliot mentioned, coming back with power and might. And it says, he shall judge between the nations, rebuke many people, beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Ironically, it's going to take the ultimate strongman, the one who is the prince of peace, who can rule it with peace and righteousness to put down these other men and finally say, no more, it's enough. But he has the power to do it. The United Nations doesn't have the power to do it. Thus, we get back to the beginning of the discussion, mm -hmm. the ineptitude of our, of our systems, which is going to lead to the rise of, of the yeah. physical strongmen. Good point. Gentlemen, we're about out of time. So what I'd like to ask you to do now is help our audience, leave our audience with a concluding comment or a takeaway. What would you like them to take away from the program today? What do you think is a message or uh, an idea that you believe is important for them to take with them? Mr. The term strongman leader is usually portrayed to us today as bad, something that's evil, that takes away personal choice, democracy, whatever else. But the Son of God will be the ultimate strongman, all-powerful ruler for ultimate good. And it says in another scripture in Isaiah we haven't talked about that the clothing that he wears, almost like a uniform, represents his faithfulness, his truthfulness, his fairness, his love, that everything about him stands for those principles that we all want. We need this strong man ruler. We need his perfect rule. Mm. Yes. Mr. McNair. And I would just add that up until that time when he returns, you know, we're talking about some, some really dark things, really dark times. And I think we would just encourage our viewers to not be hopeless about this, even though it, it should get our attention. We should be watching the news and, and understanding that this is not just going to go away. But if we align ourselves with God, not with any political party, not with activism trying to, you know, trying to fix the problem from the inside, but if we are focused on aligning our lives with God, He's not going to leave His faithful, zealous people without even, even a, a hope of physical protection and being taken care of in this time. And that gives us a lot of hope. Gentlemen, thank you for your time today. Thank you for joining us. It's been wonderful having you on the program again, and thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you. Without a doubt, we are seeing the rise of strongman leaders today, even as nations, even in nations, where there have not traditionally been dictatorial leaders, at least not in the last 50 years or so. These strongman leaders are rising in reaction to changing global political and financial stresses as we've talked about. And they're coming to power with the expectation that they will take action where perceived inaction has been the norm. The Bible makes clear that these trends in leadership will occur even more at the end of the age as we've discussed today. So we shouldn't be surprised by them. Eventually, as was just talked about, Jesus Christ will return as the ultimate strong man leader. 
but he will be different. He'll be loving and compassionate and just as he becomes that King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For more insights into this topic, we encourage you to read our insightful article, Growth of a Strongman, Germany Rising Again. And you can just go to our tomorrowsworld.org website and type in Growth of a Strongman. For more answers to today's pressing questions, we encourage you to stay tuned to TW Now each week. Next week, we plan to talk about Moses versus Jesus Christ and the Ten Commandments. We invite you to also be sure to subscribe to, like, or share today's program. And we'll see you next week, hopefully.